media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. Okay, the second half of, uh, well, the second of three hours of the of the media show coming up. We'll chat to uh, Henry Lartakhan, who spoke at the future of media, which is really interesting about the virtual reality and what that really means with regards to uh, media that comes up later. There's a fascinating campaign to talk about, which uh, in fact uh, is linked to a calendar uh, printed for the Ezeco Slave Lodge. So looking forward to talking and getting the backstory on that. And then uh, at about five past ten, in fact, that's an hour from now, our profile would be on the Chief Marketing and Sales Officer at, uh, at Stair Clinical. We'll get that. I can, I can just hear some feedback. I think we just need to fix that up. Let me see if I can correct that. I think it's, I think it's okay now, right? Okay, a couple of things that I want to just um, tell you about. Let me just throw this out even to you now. As you know, the CEO sleep out that took place, and, and I was an ambassador, so very much involved in that. I'm really interested knowing the fact that I think, and we'll get um, uh, we'll get Tonya Kui to give us the numbers later on because I understand that in terms of public feedback, there's more negative than positive. I just want to know from your side in terms of a marketing, and I'm sticking to the marketing aspect of it all, right, as opposed to the, the humanitarian aspect. Does it work, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to um, a cause that is tied to a social responsibility um, and, and there's big money involved at that? What impact does that make on you? Do you find it works or, in fact, you find it does not work? Um, and if you have any thoughts on that, just hashtag media show. I'm happy to take uh, your opinions on that. Right. Important one around the marketing or rather the importance of making it uh, in the newsroom, meaning if you want to build a credible newsroom, what do you require to do just that? Well, Varashni Pillay, as you know, is the editor of the Mail and Guardian, and uh, she's going to talk us through all of that. Varashni, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Asha, thanks so much for having me on the show. Okay. Just step, by the way, how long have you been the editor now? <laughs> Oh gosh, I haven't counted. It was October. So what does that make it? Ten months? Well, you're about nine or ten months. Okay, so it's coming up to a year. Wonderful. Yes. Right, so, so now you're in this, this position, really, of talking about um, a credible newsroom. I mean, it's, it's almost what, a, a who, what, when, where, why. Well, what do you need to do to build a credible newsroom? Well, I, I really am a firm believer in capacitating the newsroom. We live in an age where owners are cutting and cutting and I understand that you know it's the profit imperative and um, not really even profit it was you know just trying to break even and not make a loss for many newspapers mm-hmm. you know that's the reality they're facing but, but what we need to do is then restructure how we do the newsroom so I have a certain budget when I got to the Mail and Guardian the budget was skewed heavily towards high earning managers because it was a legacy from a time when we had <clears throat> a bigger newsroom and, and more components and a bigger mm-hmm. online team mm-hmm. and, and they were they were just a lot of managers, you know, there were a lot of senior editors, features editors, managing editors, deputy editors, and, and a paucity of reporters. And reporters are the ones who are bringing you the news. Uh, that's the engine, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Those are, your, you know, like the, there's the, the joke of, of too many um, too many cowboys and not enough even Indians. Too many chiefs, sorry, not enough yeah, Indians, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so what, what I did was I kind of took the knock myself, and I didn't give myself too many support staff. So I didn't have a deputy editor. I don't have a managing editor. And that's not great, but for now, with our budget the way it is, it's just what I decided to do. And I hired a lot of amazing, young, and talented people who are proven at breaking news. Now, the Mail and Guardian is a particular kind of title. We can't just recap what's happened in the week. We can't just explain it the way the Daily Maverick does or the mm, conversation mm, does. Mm. We have to set the agenda. And for me, I had to recapture that that was what the Mail and Guardian 
Dan was about. We had to bring people new stories, new interesting. I, I agree. Although you know, often people talk about now, <coughs> newspapers can't break any you know stories any longer. Maybe daily is not, but I think when it comes to your paper in particular, mm. yes. If you ask me, why would I read it? Mm. Um, uh, that front cover is critically important. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then, of course, the analysis on the inside, they may not be breaking, breaking, mm. but then the really solid analysis. So if you get that wrong, you're not a newspaper any longer, isn't I, it? I totally agree with you. And, and you know, it's about enterprise journalism. So you can break stories on Twitter. So everyone goes, oh, social media has, you know, it's the end of, of, of newspapers. But, but you can break stories quite easily. There's a tornado. There's... Um, there's a backlash against the CEOs, mm, about, mm, as you referenced. Mm, mm. Those things are not hard to find out. People are talking about them. To go to, um, you know, go down to KZN to dig around around the political killings to find out, as we did this week, that a taxi bus is being implicated as orchestrating the entire thing. Yeah. You're wow. not going to find that out behind your desk looking at Twitter. Mm, mm, You've got to mm. send reporters down there. You've got to have budget. You know, the, the, that's the kind of thing we're doing. To really and and you need time. You need, I mean, they could spend you need time. sometimes maybe a week or two yeah. away from, from office. And right? I mean, even that luxury has been cut down. When, when we broke the Candler scandal, it was because Mandy Rousseau decided to go down to just check out mm. what was happening at Zuma's residence because we all know that he lived in Candler and she suddenly saw a bunch of tractors and massive amounts of work happening and she was like, hang mm, on. Mm. And, and so, so, so that was you know, a time when we had a bit more resources. We wouldn't send someone on a jaunt like that. We, there would need to be a reason for them to go down. And, and yet, I mean, that shows you it was on, almost unintended, exactly. right? Exactly. Her, her reason was almost like a colour story. It was a colour story. Yeah. And what, what was so important is that you get the stories when you're out of the newsroom. So because of the, the, uh, the curtailment of, 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 of um, travel budgets and all kinds of budgets, you have journalists trying to do too much from behind their desks. So I had my environmental reporter trying to like call old sources because uh, you know we do sort of narrative journalism so you're trying to describe the the, mi- the mine that's being destroyed by this big company and you, and you can't destroy like you know you can't sorry just describe the scene from behind your desk so he was trying to get his sources to describe it for him which isn't great so he said no get out there get your shoes dirty and that's something we always say go get your shoes dirty get out into the field how how do people respond when they are you know, I'm, I'm judging it from myself that, that most presenters are very much studio-bound. Reporters, oh, right. right? Reporters yeah. tend to get out. When you then, in, in your in newspaper terms, when you're telling a senior person who's uh, doing, you know, established, as you said, in environmental issues, and then suddenly say, get your hands dirty, what, what sort of response are you getting? Well, that's what they want to do. Uh, so... I'm not sure I understand your question. So, no, would, would they be would they be reluctant to get out oh, no, because no, no, they're too comfortable sitting in? Oh no! So the or reason they want to get out. So, so I came into the Mail Garden, as you know, because you've interviewed me before on the back of retrenchments and cost cutting. Yes. So yes. all those people were the kind of people who were out all the time, and then they were suddenly told to just, you know, like a lot of reporters, stop going out so much. There's not enough money. So we restructured the budget a little bit to say, no, no, you can go out, and they were very grateful because because the, the the story I gave you, where my environmental reporter was trying to call sources, he hated that. He knew it wasn't it wasn't good enough. It wasn't yeah. good enough to create. Story. He was dying inside. He wanted to get out there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's changed. So so okay. So let's get and go back to your initial point. Mm. My my point that we said is like, what is it that's required to build a credible newsroom? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and maybe if you can give us like four five key sort of bullet points, and we'll run through all of them. Oh wow. Okay. If you can. <laughs> yeah. Let me do that. Okay. So as I said, I restructured the budget and I got more reporters in. Mm. Um, I looked for people who were proven. Um, proven at doing what I wanted them to do in various spheres and I looked and, and I looked for young people not always young as in I'm, I'm, I'm indisposed towards older people but mm-hmm. because of the like quite frankly the budget and also because of wanting that young fresh talent so um, yeah getting people who are proven and for me the hiring is so key like I I actually feel that 
you know, with South African labor law, you've got to be so careful that you hire the right people because once you have them, you're stuck with them. It's difficult <laughs> to, to release. And, yeah. and look at the industry around us. Mm, you know, they're mm, not going to mm. go anywhere anytime soon. They're going to hang on to their job. So for me, the hiring is critical. I use tests. I, I test them. I bring in other people. I use my gut feel. I think about I do reference okay. checks. I think about it really hard. I will leave a position open for like up to a year if I don't find the right Are person. Are you serious? Wow. I will use contractors. I will do whatever it takes until I find the right person because every position is critical. The next thing is managing people. So, so many um, editors or, or senior people in the newsroom were reporters themselves like me, and they hate management. They, you know, they're, they're journalists at heart, and management is a very different concept. And I don't have a managing editor, so I make sure that I, I check people's performances. And, you know, I manage them well, don't, not with, a, with an atmosphere of fear, but to say every position counts in this newsroom. We are so tight. We have to all be working at at least 80%. If, if one doesn't, you, you, you find there's this massive vacuum. In fact, we continue chatting about that, and I'm happy to take your thoughts, and you can tweet, by the way, uh, to hashtag media show. Uh, tweet to me at Ashraf Ganda as well as to um, SFM Radio, but you certainly can call in 891-104-207. Broad question, what is it that is required to make a newsroom credible? What To make it work? You know, as a very credible newsroom, it's an interesting thought leader discussion we're having, chatting to the editor of uh, of the Mail and the Guardian, that's uh, Varash Nipole. So, if you wish to call in, it's 0891-104-207. Tax season is open. Be honest on your income tax return. Make sure you have all the correct documentation and proof for every claim you make. Declare all income you made and don't overstate expenses. Do it right and submit your accurate claims. For more information, visit sars.gov.za or call 0800-007277. We are ready, South Africa. Let's make this country great. SARS at your service. Madiba believed in unity through sport. I'm the same. That's why I coach youth from different backgrounds. How will you be more Madiba? Join the conversation with SABC on hashtag BeMoreMadiba. Media at SAFM with Ashraf Garda. Exploring every media platform and industry. Only on 104 to 107. So we're talking about building a, a credible newsroom and what is required to do just that. So the Mail and Guardian's uh, editor is uh, with me. That's uh, Varashni Pillay. And commenting about just that, I'll certainly take a call or two just in a moment, short and sharp, uh, if, you, if you do go on. In fact, let, let's, let's take some calls like right away. We'll, no, we'll do that in a minute or so. All right. So you were talking about, okay, that's an important point, sort of shifting uh, and, and getting people to work at full capacity, right? Yes, absolutely. Otherwise, you'd have a serious problem, especially in a lean staff environment. Okay? Yeah. What, what else? Okay, so the critical part of, what, of your question is, is really key, and the ethics of what we do is so critical, and to really be on the ball with that all the time. We're very fortunate to have Whipple Wenzel as our attorney, always on call. They mm. are on a retainer. Mm. So I, put my, I use them. I put my stories to them, my investigative stories, and if there is a shadow of a doubt, um, if, if a story isn't strong enough, I've learned my lesson after the whole DA mess, mm. to say, you know what, we wait. We don't publish. We hold it back, and we show up that credibility all how, the time. How difficult is that? It's difficult. We're wanting to be first with the yeah, news, yeah, but yeah. getting it right. Yeah. It's so key, you know. Um, I've seen some of my competitors run things on one source, and it's just too dangerous. You cannot run things on one source. We wait until we have multiple sources or the actual source. How, how much is enough when you say multiple? What, what is multiple? I would, if it's all anonymous, I would need three to five anonymous sources, and I need to know what their positions were. Well, I would know who they are as editor, but I want my readers to know what their positions are. Is one of them in the Gauteng PEC, if it's a Gauteng story? Is one of them in the Gauteng legislature? I need to have them high enough. Um, okay. And, and if they're not anonymous, if they're giving names, that then... 
How then, many? Well, then if it's if it's not anonymous, if it's someone who's putting their name down, like um, I can't remember who it was. I think it was Paul Mashatile who came out and and, and, and said quite frankly what, where the Gauteng ANC's position was going to be around Zuma. And before that, Sunday Times was reporting it as anonymous sources, and we, we we didn't run with it. We waited for Paul to say it. And then if Paul's saying it, you know, that's pretty credible. Then all you got to do is go back to the ANC and get their their right of reply. Yeah, because otherwise, and then maybe he's got it wrong, but that that's his problem in terms of what he's saying. <laughs> well, yeah. he's, he represents the Gauteng ANC. Absolutely. So, so, yeah. yeah. Okay, let's get a call. Or or to Kondida from Mangaung, uh, ironically, uh, on the line, hi. <laughs> ironically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ashraf, uh, yeah, and, and Mr. Lady. Hi. Yes, look, uh, the advent of social media has uh, entered the terrain of journalism, and uh, it's difficult for, I'm sure, definitely, that you come up with scoops. Uh, by the time you, you run the story, already it has been uh, circulating in the social media space. How do you cope with that? Because the other thing that I, I, I find to be a challenge within the journalism space is, is the overuse of anonymous sources, mm. uh, which actually kills the story. Because for me, anybody can create a story and, and, and talk about anonymous. But at the same time, those people who are reading the story, uh, who, are, who might be affected or be part of the story, would always have uh, something to, 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 to hold on. Uh, whether you're talking in terms of uh, legal recourse or so. Because, for example, if you're talking about the political party and then you're using the anonymous story, and this is what we have seen when media reports on the National Executive uh, Committee of the ruling party, there's always a leak information and so. And for readership, that is problematic because you don't get the gist of the story and, and, and the credibility of the story is affected. But the social media itself would even take a picture and say, this is what is happening. <laughs> and now you, you and, and if that mm. talks to the credibility of the print media, that talks to the validity of me as a reader going to a shop and buy a newspaper when all these platforms are there. And they even, they're even more credible because there's evidence that you can prove that this is happening, this is what this person said, uh, this is, here is the picture. Yeah, no, how, I hear how you. Do you cope, how do you cope with that? I, I yeah, have yeah. been engaging even the editor of Sunday Independent on that. And if you can look at it, the, the, the serious scoops uh, that relates to governance and accountability, and so they are diminishing as a result, and you can only get them on the on the on the online uh, space. I mean, okay, no, I, I have to disagree with you there. Okay, okay. So let me just so answer your the question. Line, yeah. Maybe I just come back to you. Stay on the line. Go, go ahead. Brian. Okay, no. Now, now, what you see on social media is people recapping a few obvious stories again mm. and again and again. Something will trend for days and days. We'll all talk about the CEO sleep out until we blew in the face. Mm, mm, we'll mm. all talk about you know the latest outrage by um, uh, you know Donald Trump. We'll talk about some political stories that we know about. Maybe Julius Malema has said something really insightful, and we've all, all talk about that. You guys on social media. There is no way you guys are getting the stories we're getting. And I feel like a lot of the time when people say things like, social media is undoing newspapers, you haven't read a newspaper, or our newspaper at least, in a long time. Is it, is it fair to say, therefore, that some stories lend themselves to being, you know, to, to sort of floating in the social media space, they I mean, to being shared? No, uh, and it's not about important. There's just something about, like Donald Trump. Mm-mm. I mean, he's not significant in my life, but no. there's something that causes that if I ever watch it live on television, that on no, social and, media, and, and, that and, and, and that's share. good. And, and as journalists, we use that. So Google Zulu was very... But I think what the caller is trying to say is actually that 
social media is breaking stories, and I absolutely disagree. They are not breaking stories. They're not breaking the kind of stories, the democracy-changing stories we're breaking. Last week, and you talk about our reliance on sources, last week we broke a story about the, uh, the Guptas being positioned to score an 800 million rand transnet contract without following proper tender processes. We went, we hunted for the documents. There's no way social media is breaking that story. And yeah. there's no way we're relying on anonymous sources. We're not going to claim the Guptas or their army of lawyers are doing this without making damn sure that they're doing it. Absolutely. We had the actual contract in hand. Okay, important point. Kondila, you heard that, right? Yeah. The, the, the conversation that I would want you to advance, it is the, the credibility of social media and the, the legal recourse that people can then take. I, I know that uh, Omen Gilfen, Gilfen, they are making some inroads in making sure that people have got um, knowledge, but also... They have a legal recourse in dealing with some of the things that are coming there. And I think that has got an impact one way or the other when it comes to stories that are actually going out there. Okay, got that. Thank okay. you. Uh, I'm not Shall sure. I Thanks for that? that public. Yeah, but do that. Okay. But, yeah, can you defend social media? That's not, you're not the editor of I, I don't media, think, I don't think his question was that. I think his question, hmm. you know, he, he asked many, he, he made many different accusations there. Hmm. But one of the things he was saying is that social media is so great for people to defend themselves when newspapers have wronged them. But I would say the press ombudsman system is far better. Um, I had Jesse Duarte take me to the press ombudsman. Um, and she won. She won, and you know, and it was immediate. So, but the, I appealed it, and then I won, and then I didn't have to do an apology. It's far more robust. There's, uh, there's external people, there's internal people, there's people judging it. Her mm. lawyers are representing. What's social media going to do for Jesse Duarte if she wanted to take me on? She can't do it point by point, case by case. Things get distorted, and and you need to ha- actually have lawyers do a proper judicial process when there has been a problem. Yeah, good, good, good point. Do, do you then, you know, in, in terms of let's just tell that social media part. So social media versus, uh, you know, they can't break the, the what you call the democracy changing uh, news stories of South Africa which I think is, is significant right? do, do, your, do your listeners do, in this case your readers do, do they get that? I hope so and I think our circulation figures show that um, so I think our circulation took a real dip when we cut the newsroom and unfortunately my predecessor Angela Quintel had to cope with very few reporters and she couldn't go out there and do the kind of stories that I know she would love to do where you're out and getting your shoes dirty mm-hmm. and our circulation st- suffered along with all our competitors who are doing this since I became editor and I was able to recapacitate the newsroom, my circulation figures have been through the roof. I was here in, at the end of 2015 when my, the, the last quarter of 2015, I was up 10% quarter on quarter. My competitors were down 8% quarter on quarter. Mm. The first quarter of this year, I was up 12% year on year. My, my competitors were down 10% year on year. Now, that is, that is quite a significant difference, right? I mean, you have City Press being down 14%, Sunday Times 15%. Everyone was down. Financial Mail 23% down. We were up 12% year on year because we have capacitated our newsroom and people are noticing. Albeit from a smaller base, right? Or a lower base? It's not from a lower base, but then the quarter-on-quarter growth is also quite significant. So our quarter, on, so, so we're growing quarter-on-quarter as well as year and year. So I'm not sure if it's at that lower base. It's a few thousand copies that we're growing by. So, you know, we, we grow about 3,000 copies. That's quite a lot in this market. Um, and uh, you're right, City Press and, and, and Sunday Times are much larger than us, but Financial Mail and Business Day are about our size, and Business Day yeah, is down good, 18%. Good point, yeah. I mean, and, and by and large, I mean, the person who reads the Mail and Guardian knows that you're in for a long read. Yeah, well, we've tried to also balance the mix. I think there were too many long reads. <laughs> people okay. also need, people need a few, like, so we have, we balanced the mix with a few more short reads. But, um, you know, we, we've had the provisional figures for this last, the second quarter of this year. They haven't been audited yet, but we again up 6% year on year. And that's very promising to just show continual growth. And 
I think that's going to really see us in good stead. Okay. Some people commenting ironically via social media, via Twitter. <laughs> um, on I love social media, by the well, way. <laughs> point made, and I certainly see you are active on that anyway. Yeah. Uh, in terms of, of, of what is required uh, with the credible newsroom, in fact, some people just tweeting or retweeting some of your comments. But Iqbal just said, of course, from the uh, what's it, Media Review, Review Network, I think. And he's saying, integrity matched by fearlessness to withstand bullying by vested interests um, and, and corporate uh, power, I think it is. Uh, Arnold attorneys of all people saying, well, trusted teamwork, which I think is interesting. Mm. Um, and another around, around ethics, you know, some things are pretty obvious. Sisonkem um, Lamla saying, can I ask Ask if I can be their freelance reporter based in the Eastern Cape. People looking I for need jobs. one there. <laughs> well, you see, you need to listen to the media shows. So you need, um, okay, we'll connect you guys, okay? And, and, and then you need to know that uh, Varashni will wait a year to make sure you correct you really what, you, what they want. So no chances, please. I mean, that's an interesting one. Um, and uh, Rajesh uh, Jantilal, just an interesting interview, so acknowledging what we're talking about there. Right. Other, besides that, so, you know, the, the energy, uh, ensuring that you're not... Your engine room is not compromised, which often is the case, uh, right? And then obviously the integrity and the double checking the things. What, what else? What, what else are we missing? Um, so I think what we're missing is continual training of our journalists. They actually get a little bit depressed. You know, they're sitting there mm. doing the same job year after year. We haven't um, shown them, you know, different trends. Us editors could jet off to the World Editors Forum. We go to things. Um, so I've, just, I've introduced Friday training sessions. I don't do them every Friday, but I try to bring in an expert. On, on this last Friday, we had an expert in drone, in drone, um, you know, uh, film. Okay, right. Video. Yeah, yeah, you know, where you yeah, send a, yeah. you send a drone up into the sky and it takes pictures and video. And it's a guy called Johnny Miller who's done that of um, showing the inequality in South Africa. He'll show a golf course next to some shack. Goodness, I, I need to see He's that. Got, That's it, it, it was so striking. And, and we were looking at it. Talked about the legalities. Talked about how the men. Guardian could possibly get involved. So it inspires your journalists. They think, great. Another thing is to constantly monitor your journalists. If someone is not happy, so I've just swapped two of my journalists into different units. I was watching them for about, um, I hired them in January. I've been watching them since, and I saw they were struggling. I gave them chance after chance, and I realized they're young, brilliant people. They're just not in the right team. How, how do you know that? Like, they, they're not in the right team? Well, I kind of um, looked at their skill sets, looked at where they thrive usually. So the one is a digital kid. She's just brilliant online. I had her doing newspaper work. She was struggling. She was pitching stories from social media for the paper. We can't do that. It'll be a week late. Everyone's read about it already. We can't have stuff. We can't have, you know, CEOs sleep out in the Friday, in the Friday edition. It's just not yeah, going to work. Yeah, It'll yeah, be so yeah. old by then. So she was pitching those kind of stories, and I realized, hang on, this woman's brilliant to be our online reporter. She gets online like that. Let's move her to the online team. Another woman was, uh, another reporter, really brilliant, was also struggling. And then I realized there was another team, my health team, that with a manager is really hands-on training her reporters and that she'd be better in that unit. So it's about putting people in the right places with the right team to make sure that they really and, and, and I get the sense that you're able to do that very, very quickly. Well, that's the thing. We, that's, it's interesting that you bring that up. We're small and agile. We don't have bureaucracy and red tape. And that's why a lot of people want to work for me. I've had a lot of people from my competitors join me, and they say they get bogged down by the bureaucracy. Um, to get to make a change, to do something, takes a really long time. Whereas the Mail and Guardian, we're a small company, which has its, its, its disadvantages a lot of the time, especially around cash flow. But it means we can change things quickly. So, I mean, my new editor comes to me, and he says, you know how after deadline on a Thursday, we all sit around drinking whiskey mm-hmm. and thinking about what happened and talking nonsense and discussing the news? He's like, people would 
would like to see that and engage with us, let's start something called the Offstone Sessions on a Thursday after deadline. Invite people into our space and just like, you know, have some drinks, have some chats about what the news was for the week. We take it to our events department. The next week they're taking it out to clients to try to get a sponsor. We've lined up a sponsor. We're starting next week. Okay, that's fantastic. Because often I always tell people, if you really want to see the behind the scenes of what I do on, on this show as well as the afternoon talk show, well, simply just drop me an email. Ashraf at SAFM.goes and, you know, uh, happy to actually get you to see because I'm committed to, to making our country excellent. There's no way you're not going to uh, get to that level if you actually don't have an, a sense of what goes on behind so the scenes. So maybe we'll bring you into our mm-hmm. show. Absolutely happy to do that. Uh, and, and vice versa, of course. Right. So, so that's made a difference already. Yeah, no, I think that's made a difference to the newsroom morale. And I've noticed morale has really increased since we've said to people, you know what, suggest things, we'll do it. So our education editor, also a new hire, a very brilliant man, he says, you know what, private education is a big deal in this country. People of color are reluctant to send their kids into the private education system because of the ideologies and this, how it's a very elitist space. Mm. Um, mm. But also sometimes public schools can almost be better than private schools. They just don't know enough. Let's do a whole supplement on it. Be like, absolutely great idea. We went out and we sold it and we did it. So also just getting our editorial team to get more involved in various parts of the business because they're really brilliant people and you don't want to constrain them and say, just do your report, hand it in and go home. You want them to have a sense of ownership of the business. How, how, how do the staff uh, editorially respond when when the real big stories of the week is not yours? Like for some reason, yeah, and it yeah, happens, yeah. Right? Not all you the know, time. We're like, how did we miss this? You know? I, th- I think there's a sense of um, real pride. So they'll be like, no, ours was still better. <laughs> <You know? Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> but um, sometimes if we really do get beaten, like I know, I remember City Press, um, they really beat us when the Guptas fled the country. Mm, do you remember mm, that story? Yes, yes, yeah. And yeah. we had tried to get it, but we had gotten something around the Guptas, but it wasn't as sexy. And then Ferial just broke that story. Yeah, like just, yeah. They were leaving the country. They were on the plane. And we all were like, Sure, well done to them. We're going to try hard but, for next yeah, week. Yeah, and, and you know, it's spurs you on. You go, we can do this even better. But that, does it spur you on or does it actually deflate you to say? It, well, I, with my, with my, so my, my senior team, we sit down and look at the papers. It actually, at that instant, it spurred us on. It said, oh, they beat us there. I messaged Feral. I was like, you can, you well can, done, you yeah. can tell bums. Yeah, and then we yeah. say, let's try harder. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very important. How, how, how do you keep yourself motivated? Meaning, how, how do you then drive... Yeah. Uh, your newspaper because it's based ultimately on your own personal enthusiasm I would think isn't yeah it? absolutely um, you know sometimes when my, when my enthusiasm is flailing I find that it's when I'm, when I'm away from my team it's really odd so I went to the World Editors Forum recently in, in, in Colombia and I was a little bit down because it was very depressing they kept talking about how the newspaper industry was dying and mm, how things mm, were so bad mm. and there were some success stories especially in South America but it was quite depressing in many ways and I felt really down and when I got back into my team, there's something that's energizing about a newsroom and I've hired some really exciting people and some great section heads and they really cheer me up because things can get quite dire like I mentioned earlier, the cash flow situation can get quite dire, Mm. so just hanging out with them, the drinks after work is quite a nice time for (laughs) us to bond and just chat and and I really think those kind of things, listening to them come up with ideas, it it kind of energizes me and of course I go for management coaching now and then and I try to make sure I keep rested and Well it seems to be working So, so, so bottom line in terms of the how, you know do we retain or, or ensure that we have a credible newsroom? Uh, do you think you have it? I absolutely think I have it. I think I'd like to do a lot more with it. We've tried to do a few things well. I want to start slowly doing more and more things well. We're breaking news really well. We're doing enterprise journalism really well. I want to start doing – we're doing health journalism really well. I want to start doing even better investigative journalism and political journalism. I look forward to seeing what you do next, right? And don't forget, I mean, all the things you've said, since you do like social media, tweet as much as you can after the show today. Just tweet to me and then hashtag media show. Well, I'll share that as well because uh, we can never talk enough about these very, very important issues. Foresti, good chatting to you. Foresti Pillay, of course, the editor of The Mail and Guardian. Lots, of, lots more to come, including a fascinating 
advert, uh, you know, or campaign behind the scenes that we'll go to in a few minutes' time. This, of course, is the media show.